Welcome to the Creation Today Show. My name is Eric Hovind. I'm the president of Creation Today, and today's conversation is really going to help grow your faith and trust in who God is. I'm excited to talk about something that could actually be very divisive. I think God's Word makes it clear you and I should have these conversations, and it doesn't matter who we are, we can talk about it. It's critical race theory. To divide and conquer has been a, a mindset, a strategy since Napoleon and Julius Caesar. Satan used it back in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 4, records him dividing and conquering. He said to the woman, you shall not surely die. He's trying to divide and conquer. Today, in America and around the world, we are seeing the same tactic used. They're trying to divide and conquer. I've got an awesome guest with me. Cindy Quinlan uh, has been studying critical race theory, and you understand it enough to be able to say, let me tell you what's really going on, right? I, I hope so, yes. You, you'll see that there are a number of books here. And so the idea is simply that I am, like many of you, just someone who started hearing about this about a year, year and a half ago, and really wanted to be able to understand what does it mean when people say this, or what does it mean when people say that? So I, I did a lot of reading, reading by people with perspectives that are similar to mine, and reading from people with perspectives that are very different. And so I at least got to the point where I felt like I could talk about it, I felt like I could understand it. And then sometimes when I'm talking to friends or when I'm talking to others, if they start having questions, well, what, what does this mean or what does that mean? I can say, well, this is actually what, what I've discovered that means. And so, I, yes, my goal is to help others understand it the way I was wanting to understand it as well. I had somebody last night at dinner ask me, what is critical race theory? And I gave my um, answer based on a couple of YouTube videos and a couple of people that I've watched. And I'm like, I'm ready to ask you that question. All right, give us an overview. What is critical race theory? I think one of the first things to understand is critical race theory, the very name implies that it is a critical theory. So whenever I start talking to people about critical race theory, I say picture, if you will, if you're familiar with Greek or Roman mythology, there was a beast, a monster that had multiple heads. Mm -hmm. And do you recall the name of that monster with multiple heads? If you cut one off, two yep, more would two grow more in grow. its place. Uh, so. The Hydra was, okay. was often what That's it was right. called. It's, it was in it's one of the been, Yes, it's been many decades <laughs> since uh, studying that elementary school. So critical race theory really is just one head on this beast that I call critical theory. And so there's other types of theories. There's queer theory. We're hearing more and more about that. Uh, there's post-colonial theory. So when we look at critical race theory, don't think of it as just its own animal. It's just one head of many heads. And I think even as it is important for us to understand it, it's certainly in the news a lot. It's certainly in a lot of people's um, top of their minds. Let's not forget that there's other heads that are also just as dangerous. So understand critical race theory, but realize he's just one branch of a very large tree. And so critical theory itself has the goal of taking conflict theory which we, if you're familiar at all with Marx and his thing was yes. economics and you had between 
you know, the, the, rich, the rich and the, and the poor. poor. And all that. So this is applied to every group. So conflict theory, it's a power struggle between all the different groups. And the idea is to apply it to every aspect of culture. And of course, one aspect of culture that is really making the headlines right now is, is race. Although in many yeah. ways, we know there's no such thing as race, but we're, we're going to get to that. Okay, well, I was going to say, that's my <laughs> big deal. I'm thinking how many Bible right. verses can I think of that, that you know, for God's sake, the world, not yes, a particular skin right. color. It's, it's anyway, I, well, I'm looking and this forward to be intriguing to you. So one of the books that I read and that is kind of considered just one of the foundational books of, of understanding critical race theory is called Critical Race Theory and Introduction. And so when I talk about these are kind of the four or five main tenets of critical race theory, one thing that many might be surprised is they agree that race is a social construct. That is actually one of the key tenets of this. So they agree that there is no such thing as race. But whereas we take it and go one direction, they take it and go a different direction. So kind of like a sneak peek Interesting. <laughs> just down the road. So they, they also agree that there's no such thing as Yeah, because you race. could line people up here from the, the whitest of the white to the blackest of the black and realize it's just a different shade of melanin. It's how right. much melanin you got right. in your skin. And, and the difference is insignificant. So yes. they are, they're not coming from a, a necessarily a biblical perspective? No, no, definitely are. not. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So they're okay. not. And, and they even recognize. later on, a name that a lot of people will, will maybe recognize if they're all familiar with this is Ibram X. Kendi. Okay. Ibram X. Kendi even refers to Ken Ham at one point wow. when he talks about race as a social construct. <laughs> he even, in, in one hand, he commends Ken Ham for saying it's a social construct but then he also condemns Ken Ham for then the application of that belief that wow. race is a social construct. So yes, probably getting a little bit of, of ahead of myself, but when you started talking about critical race theories about division, I would say exactly, because okay. critical theory is the idea of applying conflict theory to every aspect of culture, and then its goal is to agitate, is to divide people, is to get people to realize they're unhappy. It's always used to cause revolution. It's always used to overthrow culture as we know it. And if people are happy and content, they don't want to be overthrown. Right. So the goal of this is to cause them to see problems everywhere. Everything is a problem. Everything is a power struggle. Everything is oppressive. So even in your and my conversation, according to their beliefs, they would look at us and say, you're a man, I'm a woman, you're oppressing me. You know, just the fact yeah. that you are a man yes. means that in, in this relationship, in our conversation, I am the one with limited power here. And so there's already an oppressive element to this conversation, just the fact that you are a gentleman wow. and I'm a lady. So it really is to cause agitation, to cause division. And instead of looking at your intellect and your studies and your... They're just, let's look at boy, girl, there's a distinction, Correct. let's use that one. Correct, yes, because they wouldn't be able to find distinctions in other ways. They could probably, you know, how many degrees do you have? How many right. degrees do I have? How many children do you? So you could look in multiple ways to see who has the power and who doesn't. But the end result is division, is agitation, is getting the oppressed to getting people to believe they're oppressed and getting them to want to overthrow their oppressors. If you've ever heard the term intersectionality, yes. that's what this is. <laughs> Are you going to talk about that? Yes, oh, I good. am. You guys need to be taking notes and you guys need to, in the comments, let me know your thoughts on this, okay? Because so, I, I think there's a lot of people out here, probably Cindy, that are, that are Christians that probably have adopted because it's a very emotional thing. Yes. They've possibly adopted an unbiblical view. I mean, I meet Christians all the time that say, I'm a Christian, I think this, and I'm like, well, that doesn't comport with Christianity. You can be a Christian and believe that, but you're inconsistent in your beliefs. So 
I think it'd be helpful if they think through this, and I, and I really hope you will with an open mind going, our goal is to be biblical in this. So uh, I'd love your thoughts, love your comments, and uh, you tell me if you're being biblical or not in what you have believed by the end of this conversation. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I think the idea too, especially if some of those who are watching, you're Christians, you may be familiar with the idea of a worldview. And a worldview is how you view the world. And it's built on what are the truths that you have taken by faith to say this is true and this is not. And so what a lot of Christians who may be hearing about this, like you said, they're filled with compassion yeah. for people and, and they want to help people. Mm -hmm. And if people claim that they need help, they want to help them. And so the idea is there is actually no, there is no compromise. There is no ability to have a biblical worldview, but also to take on a critical race theory worldview because it is in itself a worldview. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the authors that I read with this name is fairly well known, Vodi Bakum, and oh, he's been that. talking about this for many, many years. In fact, I think he feels validated. He he will sometimes <laughs> say, "It's been 20 years. I've been telling people about this. Finally, <laughs> you believe me." Um, but Vodi Bakum, he'll say, "You know, this is a religion," and wow. he calls the holy trinity of this new religion the diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion. Although I like to go in diversity inclusion and equity to get a certain acronym uh, in there. So, you know, it is a religion, it is a worldview, and for that reason, there is no compromise. There is no way where we can say, well, some of this we can take into our church, and some of this we can take into our family, and it will only help us be better Christians. Mm. As, as, as Christ says, there is no fellowship between light and darkness. So this is a worldview. In many ways, this is a world, uh, a religion. And, and I have a number of people who will, if you say, that that seems to be stretching it. How is it a worldview or a religion? Um, Paula Groves Price, uh, she uh, works with the Department of Teaching and Learning in the College of Education, Washington State University. She says, critical race theory is a framework that offers researchers, practitioners, and policymakers a race-conscious approach to understanding educational inequality and structural racism to find solutions that lead to greater justice. So the idea that it's a framework means you start with the assumptions of critical race theory and everything else you do is based on those assumptions. You assume them to be true. So it's a framework. We see again the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs says it recognizes racism is ingrained in the fabric of American society and the individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. It is an analytical lens that CRT uses to examine existing power structures. And we know wow. a worldview is, is a, a lens, lens. it's yes. a filter. So you look at even the wording and the descriptions and the definitions that those who support critical race theory use, and they call it a framework, they call it a lens, they call it, you know, they talk about examining things. So it is a worldview. It's a, worldview. It's a religion, yes. it really is. Yes, and so today when there's a lot of discussion in the news that, you know, critical race theory, is it being taught in schools or is it not being taught in schools? And I would say the idea is the lens of critical race theory is being applied to everything that is being taught in school. So even if they're not formally teaching the theory of critical race and its history and its applications to law, that worldview is being established and grounded in schools. So they're actually taking everything we do, putting it through the lens of racism exists, you're a racist, there's higher and lower based on skin color, and that has to apply no matter what. 
Correct, yes. So they're, they're starting with that assumption of truth, just as we start with the assumption, or people prefer perhaps to use the faith, that there is a God, he's yeah. a creator and sustainer God, that man is a sinful being because of the decisions he made. So we start with those truths and they start with these truths and everything else we're gonna build on our truths. Wow. And that's where I think you were correct that many Christians are sometimes unknowingly taking Sucked action on on assumptions that are not true wow. and so i that is something i always like to say it is a worldview like i said vody bakum will even claim that it's it's a religion and there is a belief system in here so for those who who say you know i'm i'm not a person of faith i don't take anything by belief everything has can goes back to some assumption it really or does belief. it really does and we love talking about that yes because that it's it's helpful when people actually see that and that's when you really see change happen is when they realize i have a foundation and i need to examine that most people are arguing up here they're not arguing about and and really examining their foundation so certainly where that assumption certainly comes where from. we need to do yes. that. yeah by the way vody's book fault lines the social justice movement and evangelism's Looming Catastrophe really is a powerful work. So it is. That's one that we would both go, you should read that. You should okay? read this. That one's really and if good. I may, and this may come up later on in the conversation when we kind of take a step back and instead of looking just at critical race theory, we kind of look at this whole social justice worldview. If there's another book that I would strongly encourage others to read, it's by Scott David Allen, and it's called Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. He is not the... the uh, storyteller that Vody is. Vody just has a presence, whether he writes or whether he speaks. Vody yes, has he a does. presence. <laughs> but David, uh, Scott David Allen, excuse me, I, I have to give this gentleman credit for just laying things out so clearly, so just step by step, you know, what is their view of metaphysics and our view of metaphysics and what is their view of morality and our view of morality. So I give him a lot of credit um, just for helping me wow. kind of understand the, the differing worldviews. Well, can you give us an overview real quick? Because I'm going, I want to read this, but I like the Cliff Notes better. Yes, Cindy, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and like I said, he just takes it. You know, if you're into philosophy, you have the ideas of metaphysics and epistemology. He doesn't use all those types of terms, but he does talk about, okay, you know, that social justice is a worldview. What are its core tenets? What is its ideology? And then he lines it up with scriptural tenets. And oh, he says, beautiful. this is how one is wrong and this is how the other so is. So he's literally doing a correct. comparison for He's literally, in fact, you will even, let's see if I can flip through and find it. He even has a, a table. Oh, nice. And so he's just very, very clear. I, I think with anything, you know, there might be not everything in here that I would I would endorse, but I, I found him to be very clear, nice. very researched, very supporting of the points he's making. And if you flip through it, I just marked just about yeah, every page to, to up, things yeah. and, and just how very clear he was with why it is very anti-biblical. Wow. Why Social justice are, is anti-biblical. Correct. And the idea of it is they take words like justice, which are very much rooted in Christianity. Right. There would be no justice if there was not a creator God right. who a is good and what an is evil right. and right. somebody saying which one is which. Yes, and so it, it appeals to the idea that justice is a good thing, but they're using the label of justice and applying it to something that is not just at all. Wow. And that's why I'm... Last plug, Thomas Sowell, I don't know if you're oh, at all familiar yes. with, he's, he's the man. <laughs> he wrote a book back in the 90s called The Quest for Cosmic Justice. And he's not coming from a Christian perspective. He's just coming from logically yeah. 
can there ever be true 100% justice in the world? And he says, no, there is no such thing as cosmic justice is not achievable. And in trying to achieve that which is not achievable, you get more injustice. Oh, you're, you're, wow. you're hurting things more. So whether you come from a Christian perspective or just from a very logical perspective, those are, are two books that help this idea of social justice. I'd say the people that say, we don't have justice yet, he says, just wait, it's coming. Real right. justice right. is coming. It's, and it's and really as a Christian, coming. that is our that is our comfort. We yes. know that there is no real justice in this world, right. but we know that it is it is there to come. Wow. Yes. Okay, so critical race theory is all throughout. Uh, yes. It's a lens, it's a worldview, it's Correct. a religion. It's, it's something people use to say racism is everywhere and you have to find it. Yes. So if you're, you know, if you're, if, if I'm a white male and I talk to a black person, oh, you must not trust them, so you want to get to know them. If I don't talk to them, oh, you don't talk to them because you're right. It's it's there no matter what, yes. even though... You already have a really good understanding. You're, okay. Everything that you're saying right now is what I'm about to say when I talk about oh. the four tenets of it. So you're, you're I, on track. <laughs> I want this. Okay, yeah, what are... Okay. This is just my thinking on yes. it. Yes, yeah. well, first of all, a little bit of a plug for the historian buffs, those who kind of like to examine where this came from history. If you look at critical race theory and where we see it today, what we view as critical race theory today really started in the late 80s, early 90s. So oh, wow. it's only 30 years old, really. But if you trace it back, a number, and James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose, their book, Cynical Theories, and many of James Lindsay's other research opportunities, I have listened to a lot. Now, James Lindsay is is an atheist. He's a self-proclaimed atheist, or at least agnostic. He's one of these guys? Yes. Um, But his uh, examination of it from a very academic perspective, well-researched. So he has traced it back to Hegel. And George Willem Friedrich Hegel was a German philosopher. Philosopher. I don't know if you're familiar with I his am. name. Yeah, so he's he was fundamental figure of Western philosophy. So Hegel, and then a few generations after Hegel, those who studied under Hegel then were who influenced Marx. Wow. And then, of course, Marx, Karl Marx, we could We are talk dealing all day with him, him right yes, now we're, today. We're dealing with in him the right world. now. The number of college students in, interviewed and surveyed. Asking them, do they think socialism is a good thing? This Marx idea that we fought against communism and socialism, the number of college students that are saying that's a great idea has risen exponentially in the last uh, 20 years because of the universities. Right. And they're being taught that his yes. views were, were correct. Well, Karl Marx's views didn't take over the world as they anticipated. And so when that didn't happen, when many of what he claimed to happen didn't, there's a group of people that then formed what is called as the Frankfurt School. So you have a lot of German philosophers, you yep. have a lot of others. And they looked at Marx's theories and they said, why wasn't it as successful as we thought? And so from there they said, oh, because really you need to apply this conflict theory to all of culture. <laughs> And so Antonio Gramsci is a name that may be familiar with. He was a key figure who said, you have to apply Marxism to culture. People are so um, involved in culture, they don't realize they're oppressed. So we have to show them that they're oppressed and we have to show it through attacking the family, attacking religion. We got to infiltrate social institutions, definitely educational institutions. So a lot of this infiltration throughout all of society, not just economics, came from the Frankfurt School. Interesting. So it didn't work because we only applied it to economics. 
Right. We got to apply it, to, and that's why we see it critical theory applied to everything. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yes. Yes. And so from there, then you have critical legal studies, which started in Harvard Law School in the 1970s, and the idea was to examine whether the civil rights movement and civil rights uh, legislation actually improved racial situations in the U.S. And from there, that's where critical race theory evolved. So brief history lesson of wow. kind of where you can trace it back to. Frankly, Derek so. Bell is considered the intellectual father figure of critical race theory. And so he really started in the critical legal studies of law. And I think he was the first black man to receive tenure at Harvard is okay. his claim to fame. And he's still there, um, but he's the father figure. And so much of what we see today, you can trace back to Derek Bell. You can trace back to his students, I believe. Um, Angela Harris, maybe one, Kimberly Crenshaw, but they were very, they studied under him and then they're, what they then writ has propagated throughout. So that's, that's the historical lens. So when a lot of people say critical race theory is not being taught in schools today, often they're talking to that literal law level, graduate level theory. And that is not being taught in schools. But like we said earlier, the assumptions of critical race theory, the worldview, That's is the being established and then being built on. So it depends on the word play that's going on. It's kind of like kicking it. God out of school. You now have, you are teaching a naturalistic worldview. You Correct. Do have, it's not that you now don't have a lens. It's no, you've adopted a different, a different lens. Ones. And that's what they've Correct. done. They've said, hey, we're adopting this lens, critical race theory, to, yes. to think through. So okay. they don't have to use the names Kimberly Crenshaw. Shaw and Derek Bell in order to teach this worldview and philosophy. Interesting. So that's that's where a lot of people will say. And that's why some people will refer to critical race theory as neo-Marxism or cultural Marxism because the original Marxist beliefs was all materialistic and now it's applied to more. So just when a lot of people will say, you're being false, um, you're being manipulative by calling it Marxism, they can say that because they're referring to just economic Marxism. But if you trace it back, it's Marxism applied to culture. It's Marxism applied to education. So neo-Marxism, cultural Marxism is an accurate label for critical race theory, even for those people who say, I disagree with that. The history shows it to be true. I got to ask you, when we throw around all these names and throw around Marxism and critical race theory and all these, the terms that yes. we... Was that something that you had to get used to? I'm imagining people Definitely. out there going, hang on, you're throwing around critical race theory, Marxism, socialism, you're throwing around all these things and Marxism, socialism, communism, they're old enough that we, we kind of got that yes. in the back of our mind, but there's a lot of terminology now that some people, even myself, are going, okay, well, back. I don't, I don't know what that means yet. Yes, yeah, so I apologize if I'm throwing out too oh, many. Oh, no, no, I think it's good. I'm just going, I can see people out there going, Okay, I can see people getting easily over, I can see you getting just like me, easily overwhelmed and throwing up your hands and going, you know what, all these big words, just forget it. And and I go, no, 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 this is really important. You need to understand. This is what's happening in the culture right now. You do need to be aware of this. Don't throw your hands up and say, well, then it doesn't matter. Yes, I can't the, the one sentence summary would simply be critical race theory does have its roots in Marxism. It wow. does. Historically, it's there. And you can get into the nitty gritty and trace it back, or you can simply know that it is there. So <laughs> okay. that would be that would be the one thing when when a lot of people claim that it doesn't historically, you can trace it back, and it it's does very go right explicitly to there. Wow. Yes, it does. Wow. And okay. then so so I guess the big core tenets that we're wanting to get yes, to. Yes, I want to know what these are. Critical race theory, as I said, this this introduction by Richard Delgado and Jean Stefan Cheek. Uh, 
is it kind of gives four what it calls elements of critical race theory. I'm giving five. And the fifth one actually gets support straight from a paragraph in this book. Um, but I just made it five just to give a little more illumination and understanding okay. to those. So the core tenets are number one, racism is omnipresent. And as we have time, I'll break these down and what that actually means. But racism is omnipresent. It's everywhere, it's perpetual, it is, will always exist. A second, whites will always be racist. If you wow. are white, you can never not be racist. And again, these are, these are the truths on which they're building their worldview, that racism is omnipresent, that whites will always be racist. Next, race is socially constructed. We agree with them on this, but they take it in a different direction, and we'll discuss that later. The next one is liberal order perpetuates racism. I grew up overseas, my parents were missionaries, so having grown up outside of the US from a young child, I was well aware of what we have in the US, our constitution and our founding fathers and documents and the freedoms and liberties they've given us to always have this deep abiding appreciation for it. So critical race theory is against all of that because it says all of that liberal order, what we look at as what has made our country successful, as being racist. So liberal order perpetuates racism. And then the fifth core tenet, knowledge is socially constructed. And so that completely draws into question Whoa. everything you know, everything you think you know. So with those uh, five tenets, and again, it's liberal order perpetuates racism that I took from a paragraph in the book. Um, James Lindsay, again, the author, co-author of Cynical Theories, he emphasizes this a lot, that it is very much against everything we would say the United States originally stood for. So there is an attempt to completely overthrow our current culture, uh, to completely overthrow our, our entire country and what our country has been built on. It's, it's not excessive to say that that is the goal, is to this is a divide and bring conquer. it down. Yes. This is an attempt to divide and conquer. And it works very well because wow. you see this, it's, you see it um, done in um, um, Cambodia with um, Pol, Pol Pot. Yeah. You know, these yeah. similar attempts, you see what has happened in China. So there's this attempt to overthrow a country's current culture. So to get the young people to be unhappy with the older generation's culture and beliefs, the Red Guard, Mao's Red Guard, there's, there's significant ties. It's the same type of belief system and worldview. It's just this is applied to race. In China, I believe it was applied to class because most of the Chinese weren't as racially, even though there is yeah. no such thing, diverse. So you're not going to cause a lot of division where there's they a lot of difference. Because they all look the same. Yeah. I, I, see, somebody would take that and say that's racist. No, because they have similar features, yes, they're not they're not going to yes. divide that way, so they'll divide by class instead. Like in, in Japan, if you were attempt to attempt some type of cultural overthrow, it would never be, like, 98% of Japan is 100% Japanese. Japanese, they're, yeah. they're very, very much... Um, you know, of, of the same type of, of people group. And so if you were looking to cause division, you're gonna have to find something else. Another way. But yeah. in the US, being such a diverse country, this is an easy point of division. And, and we have, our history has shown that this has been a long time a point of division. So, wow. you know, we have not always had a sterling uh, testimony in this area. So it's an easy 
easy wound to attack, easy yeah. wound to open. And very emotional. Hey, those of you that are joining me on Facebook and YouTube, I got to let you go here in just a minute. But uh, I want you to understand from the biblical perspective, and I'm looking forward to getting into more of this concept and answering from the Bible, but let me just give you the bottom line from the Bible. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> bottom line from the Bible, we are all of one blood. Christ died once for all. We are all made in the image of God. Even our constitution, we are all created equal. There is no such thing as race. The best thing you can do is try to take the emotion out of this in your life and in others and point towards more of what God has done for all people. When you focus on Christ and the gospel, you take away this big old hammer, this emotional hammer of racism and critical race theory away from those that are trying to use it. Focus on the gospel, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and how that is what's necessary for salvation. I said it this way, I think that, I think that what we really have is a sin problem, not a skin problem. This is, I listened to a guy named, uh, oh man, I'm going to forget his name, Daryl. Daryl Harrison was the name. Uh, he is now, he moved from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and was personally requested by Dr. John MacArthur to come out there and be the dean of their social media. Uh, and he, his talk, Enmity, Not Ethnicity, really is one that you need to watch. So if you get a chance after this show, please check that out. The problem is sin, not skin. And I, I, I listened to that and I went, that... Now we're getting down to what the crux of the issue is. If you have hatred for somebody, it's a problem of sin in your heart. This is not a skin problem. If you're looking at somebody with a different skin color and judging them based on that rather than the content of their heart and their character and their, their work ethic and who they are as an individual, that's a sin problem at the root of it. So what we really need to do is root out the sin problem. Hey, if you want to join me for the rest of this conversation, come on over to creationtoday.org, creationtoday.org, and I'd love to continue this conversation with you because I think it's really going to help you understand the truth in your life and then help you apply that truth to the world.